0: challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times best-selling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast. I'm so glad you've decided to join me. And for those living in the United States, happy Thanksgiving to you. I'm recording this on the Monday just before Thanksgiving 2019, and I hope this is a glorious one for you. In fact, the fact that we're heading into the holiday season is one of the reasons I'm going to talk about what I am going to talk about in this particular episode. My friend, JT McCraw, who is uh, one of my band of brothers and also you've heard him on this podcast, uh, also one of the coaches in our movement, Uh, he is down in Peru right now, probably just returning. While he was down there, he spent some time with some people who listened to the podcast. And one of them, one of the leaders down there, asked a question that he asked to be passed back to me. And I I think it's a great question. He said, what would you like what are the five essentials you'd like for a young man under 20 years old to know it's a great question what are the five essentials what are the core things that i'd want him to know and maybe not even and maybe not just limiting it to somebody under 20 but maybe even focusing a little bit more on somebody around 12 or 13 just stepping into adolescence what would i most want them to know now obviously this is not a definitive list it's not a list that fell from heaven but I'm going to give the five things I would most want a young man to know, uh, again, under 20. And I'd like to hear from you if you think that I've left something out, or if you think something should be rounded out, or if there's something else that should be added. Uh, This is good for us to talk about. It's great for us to talk about right before the holidays here, when people will be spending time together, fathers and sons, uh, mothers and sons. What do we want? What are the five essentials we'd like for the young to know? So here we go. Number one for me is this, being a man is a powerful thing. Now that's, that sounds so simple, but I believe there comes a point in the life of a young man when he has to understand that manhood, that the man he is, is a powerful thing and that it can go towards a destructive direction or it can go towards greatness and good and happiness. Uh, You know, when we're young, when we're in school, we're addressed as children. You know, the second grade teacher says, children do this, children do that. As we get maybe a little bit older, maybe upper level elementary school, as we call it in the US, you know, teachers might say, boys and girls, boys and girls. But I want to suggest to you that there comes a point where boys have to be addressed differently. Girls should be too. Girls' bodies start forcing them in that direction. Um, There are things they need to be taught and told. And of course, most of that should come from other women. Um, But boys need to be spoken to in terms of their emerging manhood. And the scene that I often imagine that is parallel to this, and I've actually done this, by the way, is you take a 12, 13-year-old boy, or just about the time he's beginning to show evidence of stepping into manhood, and I have actually laid an unloaded pistol into his hands, telling him, of course, not to turn the gun in the, in the way that it actually can be fired. Of course, I made sure it was un, un, unloaded. Or put a, put a baseball bat into the hands of a young boy. Or put symbolically car keys in his hands or actually put him behind the wheel of a car that's not actually turned on because, of course, at 12 or 13, he shouldn't be driving yet. Um, In other words, something powerful. I've known fathers to do this with tractors on a farm or maybe a a rider mower uh, that the boy's grown up watching the father using. You understand, something powerful, put it in his hands, maybe even overwhelm him just a little bit. And say, this has power to do good. With a gun, you can hunt and provide food. With a gun, you can protect. But you can also shoot up the society, kill people, destroy the people you love, harm yourself, harm your brother and sister. You've got to learn how to use the power of this thing in your hand with a car, with a, something as simple as a baseball bat, heck, with a hammer, with a screwdriver, you can do great damage. This has power to it. That, In fact, something as simple as lighting a grill in the backyard, you know as well as I do, horrible disasters have happened because kids didn't use the power of fire, the power of lighter fluid uh, in a way that was responsible. But the point's not to lecture them. The point is to say manhood is the same way manhood is the same way your physical strength your abilities that penis that now is changing as you turn 12 and 13 it's it's going to bring it can bring you great happiness in your life it can be part of a glorious marriage it has the power to produce children it has the power uh you know to to be part of loving a woman um, but if you just use it irresponsibly, you can screw up lives. You can screw up your lives. You can create great tra- tragedy just with that thing between your legs that is now coming, quote unquote, into its own as you go 12, turn 12 or 13. You see what I'm saying? So the th- first thing I would want a young man to know. And this is why I do believe that, that boys should be separated from girls in terms of some kinds of education. I don't think we have to have absolutely separate schools, but in terms of addressing boys in churches and in synagogues um, in, in, in programs that teach boys what it means to be a man. Yeah, they need to be separated from the girls and taught who they are as men. Absolutely. And they need to be taught it's powerful and that it's powerful to be a man, but they have a choice to make and they should start making it now. They're either going to give themselves to toxic masculinity. It's a phrase I actually like, and I've, I've spoken on it in an earlier podcast in terms of its actual Latin roots, the word toxic and coming from toxicum and how, what it relates to and what its image is. I hope you'll get that podcast and really make sure uh, that you have this more historic understanding of the phrase toxic masculinity. So we can either give ourselves to tos- toxic masculinity using our words, using our bodies, using our sexual parts, uh, using our strengths to do damage. Or we can create great happiness and joy and do great good in the world by understanding our power and using it for noble purposes and using it for joy. That's the thing I most would want to embed in a young man. Now, second to it is this. I, as a Christian, believe that this manhood, uh, and that's not a euphemism for a penis, that the total of, of masculinity comes from God. He created it. He created it good, but he also created it to be lived out according to his ways. And I love uh, in, this, in, the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, as we Christians call it, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 2, uh, I've referred to this many times, one of my favorite passages of scripture when it comes to manhood, King David is about to die. He's literally on his deathbed. His son Solomon is there. David turns to him and says, I'm about to go the way of all flesh. Meaning, I'm about to die. Show yourself a man, is the way it says in the King James Version. And that, I like that verse so much, not just because it's uh, David talking to his son about manhood. What David did not say there in the original language was go be a, a male. He said, instead, he said, go be what it means to be a man, go live out the lore. Of what it means to be a man, go live out the disciplines, the habits, the values, the practices of what it means to be a man. Uh, that's many, many. Most of the time in the Bible, uh, the word used for man or male refers exactly to that. You know, there were ten thousand men on the battlefield. It, it doesn't refer to anything except the distinguishing men from women. But there are a few times where the word man or male. Uh, actually is, is, is something weightier. It means the lore, the practices, the disciplines and that's what David was referring to. It would have been silly for him to turn to his son who probably was in his 20s and to, for him to tell him, go go be a male. I mean he'd been a male since Solomon had been a male since he was born. No, what was he saying? Go live out what it means to be a man. And I believe with all my heart that we've that God created manhood, God created masculinity. it's not some disease it wasn't it's not some force that's evolved through evolution you know to terrorize society or something uh it's it's hasn't been created by tyrants you know and induced in armies and military forces and now it's tormenting our society as some people have taught no it's a god made god created thing and it's meant for joy and it's meant for good and it's meant to be part of along with women um the creation of a healthy happy society and families and what have you. So the second thing, the first thing is manhood is powerful. And in all the terms that I just spoke about, the second thing is God created manhood. God created masculinity. We have to conduct it. We have to do it according to his ways. We have to fulfill what David told Solomon, which is go live out the lore, the practices, uh, all, all of it, the disciplines of being a man according to God's ways is what David's assumption was. Now, number three is this. Number three is you need, every man needs fathers and a band of brothers to have masculinity called out in him. This is absolutely true, especially in the in the West, we live in a very individualistic society. We teach a kid to kind of do it on his own, you know, be the great loner, you know, in America, we idolize the Marlboro man and all that kind of lone Western, lone ranger kind of stuff. But The truth is we know from religion, we know from psychology, we know from practice that masculinity has to be called out in a man. It has to be summoned and reinforced. And other men do this in our lives. We need fathers. We need older brothers. And we need a band of brothers. What's the difference? The older ones, the fathers and the brothers, have been through some things. They've seen manhood perfected a bit in their lives. They have fought some battles. They know how to get around the temptations. They know how to use their strength. They know what the battles are and how to achieve the victories. And they can guide us into it. Okay? A band of brothers... Are, uh, is a group of guys who are basically our age. They may have different skills and personalities from us, but they're around our age. They are peers, in other words. And they're helping us. They're reinforcing us. We're helping each other, like a bunch of guys on a pickup basketball game coaching each other to be better, or a bunch of guys on a pickup football game coaching each other to be a better team and win the game. So a band of brothers are a group, is a group of guys around you who are your peers, and you're all together perfecting noble manhood. But the fathers and the brothers call it out from a more experienced platform. They, they, they summon it. And we need both. It's very hard for a young man to believe that. A young man, 13, 14, he's stepping into his own. What he wants is independence. He can't wait to get a car. He can't wait to go on a date and be on his own. He can't wait to you know, do all these and go on his first road trip by himself, kill his first deer or you know play sports on his own without big brothers and dads dominating him. That's kind of the feeling of a young man, but what he's got to understand is, is that all that independence is great, but you gotta be tutored in it. You gotta be taught how it works. You've got to be drawn, it's gotta be drawn out and used in a principal fashion. And fathers and older brothers do that, and a band of brothers walk it out with you. And that's essential. That's essential. Okay? So number one, being a man is a powerful thing. You have to learn how to handle it like a gun or a baseball bat or a car or anything of power. Number two, God created manhood. And you've got to learn to live it out according to his principles and his truths, because he's told us how it should be conducted, even though it's a glorious thing not to be feared. Number three, you got to have a band of brothers. You got to have fathers and older brothers who can call out manhood in you and help to reinforce it. And number four, wildness in a man has to be handled. You have to be taught. You have to be helped, and by the way, later in life, much later in life, and this this would be for those of you who are, you know, in the latter latter half of your life. It also has to be preserved; it has to be kept alive. A man has a certain amount of wildness in his soul. Uh, a man is is made for a certain amount of wildness, and one of the arts of manhood is that you learn how to handle that. I don't want to kill wildness in young men. Uh, But I do want them to know that they don't carry out that wildness in packs, tormenting a neighborhood um, with their sisters um, sexually, you know, in the backseat of a car or with young ladies um, by being by being bullies and, and dominating other maybe weaker males. Um, there's a certain amount of wildness in a man. For those of us who are Bible readers and believers, um, one of one of the great teachers of men, John Eldridge, makes the point that Adam was created uh, when the earth was yet unformed. He was created in wildness. Eve was created in the garden, but Adam was created in a certain amount of wildness. And and I think this is this is a, an important point, more than just a metaphor. Men have a certain lot of wildness. you can you you, you can see it in in young boys, <laughs> young boys. Uh, we've got a grandchild now, and I got to tell you young this this guy, you know he sees BB his Bev, my wife, his grandmother, and he kisses her and he hugs her. He sees me and he goes into a squat and starts growling at me. <laughs> It's because, you know, we spend a lot of time flipping each other over on the bed and having fun and being rowdy, and it's, it feeds part of his soul. He's, he's part young little wild man, or as one of the writers I admire says, thunder puppies, you know, a young guy who's, who's meant to be something great and powerful, but he's just not there yet. Um, but the point is there's wildness in his soul. That's why we do some of the crazy things we do as boys, and we have to learn how to handle it. One of the great lessons of life is to honor the wildness in our souls, to honor the rowdiness, to honor our need for what I sometimes call controlled violence, which means sports and rowdiness and rock climbing and hunting and all those things we do where we press against you know, the elements. But at the same time, we have to learn how and where to do that. You can be wild. You're not wild with your mother. You can be wild. You're not wild with your sisters. Otherwise, you have become a curse to the home. You can be wild, but you don't you don't uh, you know fulfill your wildness with girls on a date or et cetera. Like I, like I already said, bullying or that kind of thing. Men need to know how to handle their wildness. At the same time, they don't need to just shut it off. The whole society says constantly to men, "Don't be that. Don't be that. Don't be that. Don't don't let that out. Shut that down. Behave yourself. Sit still in school. Have your pencils just arranged a certain way," and that's why. Uh, some of the best educational systems for boys really are separate. You know, we have boys only, girls only schools. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not saying that's the only way a boy can be educated, but he's got to be brought up in a way that respects what's arising within him. Uh, if not, then, of course, he's going to be destructive. And then another part of the art of this thing, and I know we're talking about talking to young boys, but for those of you who are older, part of the art is keeping that wildness alive. Uh, not letting it die, not let the dying of the light, as the poet said, uh, define our latter years. So I'm a big believer in the wildness in men. I'm I'm a big believer in the adventure. I'm a big believer in the, in, in the big and the bold and the controlled violence and all of that. I like seeing boys tumble in the backyard and take their shirts off and wrestle each other and smack each other and throw each other, throw things around. It's what men are made for. They're just not, they just got to learn how to control it and do it in the right places and the right ways and grow it so that that wildness becomes tempered and they can use those forces for good. I mean, I'm glad that the special forces guys I just spoke to this past week who helped keep the United States uh, protected. I'm glad they got a certain wildness and toughness in their soul that wasn't stamped out early in their days. But I'm also glad that they know how to be disciplined. That they're not doing it at the mall. You understand what I mean? Uh, that they're doing it on the battlefield, and then being disciplined, respectful men uh, here when they're in civilian society. And the final, the final lesson is this: duty is not deadness, and living fully and passionately is not license. Now, this is one of the hard things for a young boy to get in his mind around—that you are increasingly taught duties. And the tension in a young boy's life is between the wildness he's feeling in his soul and the duties that are being imposed on him. He's got duties. He's got responsibilities. He's got chores. He's got things mom and dad need him to do. He's got things society expect him to do. You got to get your clothes on. You got to get to school. You got to do your homework. You need to work out for the football team, whatever it is you're doing. You got to practice that instrument. You got to have that part time job at the pizza joint. You got duties right? There's a lot of don't touch that, stand this way, walk this way, behave yourself kind of stuff going on in a boy's life. Well, that's good. That's what you want. But he's got to be taught. See, a lot of the problem is we, we impose these duties and then we don't teach him how to handle them. That's why he needs brothers and he needs fathers and he needs a band of brothers. But you got to teach him that this duty is not meant to kill him. It's meant to temper what's going on in his soul. It's meant to make him a better man. And you gotta, you gotta still give a place for him to vent and him to, him to use this other part of who he is, and then of course he's also got to understand that living passionately, living fully, you know, just just yeah, you know, just go, going crazy like you want to if you're alive, that also uh, can't become license. You can't you can't go wilding as they say in, in in some some cultures you know you can't just run through the neighborhood tearing things up and stealing things and shooting people and you know raping people you can't that that you can't you have to learn that living fully alive living passionately which is what a man a young boy's soul wants to do has to be is not license and license means just a a permission to go and destroy stuff and so for a young man under twenty. Learning those two, learning the, the balance of those two, that duty is not deadness and living fully and passionately is not just permission to go destroy things. That's the art. So these are the five things I would impress. Now, I would do it very relationally. I wouldn't just teach it from a textbook, but that being a man is extremely powerful, like, like laying a gun in his hands at the age of 12. And just to buy I only did that, by the way, for illustration. I didn't let him walk off with it, Um, but teach him that what he's, what he's, what he is, what he is, is a powerful thing. Now you got to learn how to use it. Number two, that God created that manhood. God created the full masculinity that he's meant to live out and that he's got to learn how to walk out that lore, those disciplines, that practice, that body of behaviors, um, and learn how to handle that man, that manliness in a righteous way. Number three, he's got to have a band of brothers and he's got to have fathers and older brothers. He shouldn't resent them. He shouldn't dislike them. He shouldn't be bitter about the fact there are people uh, coaching him and maybe imposing their will on him a little bit. That's how you become a better man. Number four, there's wildness that has to be handled, has to become honed, and in later life has to be kept alive. You don't want the dying of the light on the back end of your life. But for the young man, he's feeling that wildness, but he can't just go take a baseball bat and terrorize a neighborhood. He can't just, you know, get get ridiculously wildly sexual with young ladies. He can't, you understand what I mean? He's got to learn how to handle that wildness. And we don't want to stamp it out. We don't want to stomp it out, but we do want him to know what it is as it starts to arise. I remember what it was like to go about 12, 13 um, I, I turned thir- on the summer that I turned 13, my father was newly assigned to Berlin, Germany. Now Berlin's a city of license and sexual craziness and all kinds of excess and lots of beer and booze and all kinds of things, legalized prostitution. And I got to tell you, I, I, I didn't go crazy cause I had a good family, but I remember what was rising up in my soul. I, I remember that suddenly everything in the world, eating everything, sleeping with everything, every kind of violence, every kind of secretive criminal kind of thing suddenly sounded really good. Why? Because I had turned 13, my body, my hormones were in a were soaring. And we all know that male adolescence is a certain form of mental insanity. Fortunately, I had good people around me, a father and a mother and coaches and older brothers. And I had sports and, and teachers and they understood and and, and I didn't just completely go nuts. I also dated some really wonderful young ladies who also had principled lives. And even though, you know, I wasn't a religious man at that time, I'll tell you, it made a big difference. And then finally, this tension between duty and living fully. Duty is not deadness, and living fully is not license. Now, these are my five. This is my answer to my friend's question in Peru. Are there some things I've missed? Are there some things you think ought to be there? At the core... This is what I would work into the life of a young man at about the age of 12 or 13. These are the core things. And then we would begin to build from here. What's your list? And for those of you in the States during the holidays coming up, and for those of you in the broader world who will be celebrating Christmas and so on, great time as you're with family, as you're with the young, as you have an imprint on, uh, on the culture of those around you, to think about these five things and anything you would add and begin to embed them on the young. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Back soon. To join the great man community or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's two essential books for men, Mansfield's book of manly men and building your band of brothers, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production.